Some time ago, I was reading an article, and, and I read the article because I was captured, first of all, by the picture above the article. Now, the picture was an old black and white picture from back in the 1930s, and it was a picture of a parade of the Nazi party in Germany in the 1930s. And in this parade had come the motorcade and standing up in the touring limousine was Adolf Hitler. And the scene showed a massive crowd of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people jammed together and every one of them with their right arm outstretched at the Nazi, with the Nazi salute to the Fuhrer. All the arms giving the Nazi salute except one man's right arm. And in the middle of the crowd was a big man with a barrel chest, big strong arms crossed across his chest, and he had a look of disdain and challenge on his face as he was looking at Adolf Hitler as he passed by. And the caption under the picture said, Be this guy. <laughs> Be this guy. Don't go around, along with the crowd. Don't accept to be like everyone else, especially when it comes to respecting or participating in that which is evil. Be that guy, not like the others. Now, I thought of that picture when I was preparing this message from Luke chapter 12, and if you have your Bibles or your phones you'd like to turn there, Luke chapter 12, the passage that Jeff read for us earlier, if you're our guest this morning, we are in a journey going through this great gospel of Luke, focusing now on the king's mission. But in chapter 12, to a great extent, the Lord is teaching his disciples, don't be like this, be like this. Don't be like this, be like this. And if you look at the passage here in Luke 12, verses 22 to 34, the Lord is saying, don't be like this. You might remember two weeks ago, he said, don't be like this. That is, do not live in worried anxiety. He said, don't live in worried anxiety. Recognize you have a heavenly father who cares for you. Don't live in worried anxiety like the rest of the nations do. Verse 30, that's the way the vast majority of people actually live is in worried anxiety about life today, life in the future. The Lord said, focusing on your heavenly Father, don't live in worried anxiety. Don't be that guy. 
Rather, he says, as citizens of the kingdom, be like this. Do not live in worried anxiety, but live in watchful anticipation. Watchful anticipation. And that's the focus of our time in God's Word this morning. It's the focus of the passage that Jeff read for us, verses 35 to 48, where Jesus shares two parables. Two parables that have a common theme. Now here's the common theme of the parables. And you need to remember when you read a parable, don't press the details too far. There's always a key message in every parable. The story is there to teach a primary message. Now here is the common theme that goes through these two parables that Jesus taught. He said there was a master who left home. He's going to a home of some friends to celebrate a wedding. He's going to be gone for several days. Wedding feast back then would last generally at least a week. So he's gone. And the servants of this master, this wealthy man, are left with responsibilities. And then the master returns unexpectedly. He comes back before the servants expected him to come back. And he found the servants, some of them faithful and prepared for his return. And some of them quite unfaithful and not prepared at all for the master's return. Now the focus of both of these parables that are brought together by Jesus is to answer the question for us as followers of the Lord. How should we as disciples live in light of the fact that our master has gone away, but he's coming back? We are the servants of the Lord if we are Christians. Our master, for a time, has gone away. He's gone back to the Father's house. But his final promise was, I'm coming back again someday. And he left instructions on how we should live our lives in light of the fact that at any moment, the Master may return. So what we want to see is the Lord is teaching us to live lives that are master motivated. They're master motivated. I want you to notice quickly there are four qualities Jesus shares in this parable. Four qualities that are to be a part of everyone's life who is master motivated. Who is living in expectancy of the master's return. He says, be watchful. Be faithful, be joyful, and be mindful. Be watchful, be faithful, be joyful, be mindful. Now those are the four qualities that Jesus is teaching in these two stories about how we should live if we are really followers of the Lord. Now let's look at what the Lord says. He says, first of all, 
in this parable, and he says it in both the parables that are tied closely to get together. He says that we need to be like this. We need to be watchful for our Lord's return. Be watchful for our Lord's return. Now let me ask you a question. How many here in the room or over in the hub today, how many of you were ever involved in scouting? Or you are, just raise your hand. Ever involved in scouting? Okay, lots, lots of people. What is the scout's motto? Be what? Prepared. Be prepared. You could say that's the master's motto. This is what Jesus is teaching. To all of his followers, be prepared. Be prepared for what? Be prepared for the master's return. Now here's the principle. Here's how Jesus shared the principle and then he gave the parable. Here's the principle. Look at verse 35. He says, if you're watchful for the master's return, here's the principle to live by. Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. Now, in, in English, the Lord, he's using here two metaphors and he's mixing metaphors. And we're told in English that's not a good thing to do. Don't mix your metaphors. But Jesus does it and he can do it. Because he's Jesus, okay? He, he can do whatever he wants to do, all right? He's Jesus, we're not. We need to start right there, okay? So he says, make sure that you are dressed for action and you keep your lamps burning. So what's he doing? He's talking about servants. And servants would wear robes, men and women. But when there was something that needed to be done, it was going to take a lot of physical activity, they would take the, the hem of the robe and they would stuff it in their big leather belt so they could move more freely. They were, they were dressed for action. Today, we might say it like this. We might say, roll up your sleeves, right? Roll up your sleeves. Get ready to go to work. And he says... Keep your lamps burning because the master is gone and at night, make sure you're dressed for action, doing your job. Make sure your light is shining. Keep that in your mind. Stay alert, stay active. That's what Jesus is saying. Now, in order to give an illustration, he wants us to understand this principle. He gives a parable. Here's a parable that illustrates the principle. Jesus shares this parable, verse 36. And be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Now what's the image here? The image is of watchful waiting. That servants... Serving a very wealthy man know that he's returning. And they need to be active. And they need to be watching. Watchful waiting. Waiting for the master is not inactivity. <laughs> waiting for the master is activity with a focus on his return. 
Now, why are they to be watchful? Why are they to be watchful? Because the master is coming back. The master's coming back. Now, friends, this is the constant hope of the New Testament. The constant hope of the New Testament is Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. Practically every book in the New Testament mentions that truth. As a matter of fact, over 300 times just in the New Testament, it specifically reminds us that Jesus is coming back. My friends, Jesus is coming again. Now, he's been gone nearly 2,000 years, but he is coming again. How is he coming? Listen carefully. Jesus is coming back personally. The Bible says this same Jesus that you've seen go up into heaven is coming back from heaven. Jesus is coming back personally. Jesus is coming back visibly. He said every eye will see him. All the eyes will behold him. He's coming back visibly. He's coming back gloriously. The Bible says that Jesus is returning in power and great glory. He's coming in the clouds, bringing his holy angels with him. Jesus is coming personally. He's coming visibly. He's coming gloriously. He's coming imminently. At a moment at time, he's coming. It's soon. The Apostle Paul said, we who are alive and remain to the coming of the Lord. It was Paul's hope that he would be one who would be alive and remaining. And friends, every group of Christians, our hope is one moment down here, next moment in the air with him. And he's coming and his coming is imminent. But notice this. Then this is what Jesus is pressing home, believers. Listen carefully. He says, the master is coming unexpectedly. Unexpectedly. Look at verses 39 and 40. But know this. That if the master of the house... Now notice he shifts from the servants to the master... If the master of the house had known what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house, let his house be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Now notice, who is it that's coming? The Son of Man. This is Jesus' favorite title for himself. It comes from the book of Daniel where Daniel saw a glorious God-like figure, human God-like, that he called the Son of Man. And that is Jesus' favorite title for himself. He calls himself the Son of Man. He is the Lord of glory. And he is coming. And how is he coming? Isn't this amazing? The Lord of glory is coming like a thief in the night. He's coming like a thief. What does that mean? He's coming unexpectedly. 
if someone is planning to break into your home, they don't put a card on your front door saying, so-and-so thief, I have an appointment at 3 a.m. at your house. Okay, they, they, they don't ring in, they, they don't come up to your doorbell cam and say, hello, 3.30 in the morning, I'll be back, okay? Just want you to know I'll be breaking in. No, they don't do that. Jesus says that the return of the Son of Man, His return will be like a thief. It will be unexpected. Friends, listen carefully to me. The Bible never tells us to look for signs to figure out when Jesus is coming. A lot of people have done that, and the failure rate is 100%. Just want you to know that. The Bible never tells us to look for signs for Jesus. You know what the Bible says? Don't look for signs. Look for the Savior. Lift up your head and be anticipating the Savior. We can get so focused on the signs that we depress ourselves, what we think the signs are. We're trying to watch earthquake analysis and the number of hurricanes and how many famines there might be rather than being busy serving the Lord and looking for Him. One of the most touching scenes of expectancy I've ever seen was... When my brother, who's now with the Lord, my oldest brother, was a resident at the Shepherd's Home in Wisconsin. Incredible ministry started for the developmentally disabled people. Incredible. My brother lived there for 14 years. Actually was started by some former members of our church, Glenn and Shirley Frankie, who are now with the Lord. But they had one day room where some of the more disabled residents would spend a lot of their time. And they would tell them stories about Jesus. And one of their favorite stories was to hear about how Jesus is coming back. And I want to tell you, I have seen those precious people walk up to that window, that big window, time and time again, press their nose to the window and look up into heaven to see if Jesus is coming. Every single day. They'd make their way over there, press their face up against the window and look to see, is this the day? Never so humbled in my entire life. When have I ever lived a day like that? What a motivation. What's the motivation to live in this expectancy? What's the motivation? Here's the motivation. Motivation about what? What are we to be motivated about? The Lord is returning, but what are we to be motivated about here on earth if we're looking for Him to come? We're to be faithful in the Master's responsibility. Faithful in the master's responsibility. How many folks here may be in this auditorium or in the hub today? How many of you served our country in the Marines? You raise your hand. Okay. 
Praise God for you there, sir. Okay. What's the motto of the Marine Corps? Semper Fidelis. And what does it mean? Always faithful. Always faithful. And this is what the Lord says about his servants in light of his coming. He said you should always be faithful. Now listen carefully. This isn't a message of slavery. I'm going to stop here for a moment. Sometimes we read about servants in the Bible and Jesus is telling a story. He's not talking about the slavery being bought and forced into servitude. That is foreign to the Jewish way of life. That's an abomination to God. Always has been. This is not the message of slavery. Listen carefully. This is the message of service. We are serving our Lord. <laughs> Therefore, we're servants because we are serving our master. But friends, to serve our master Jesus isn't bondage. It's a blessing, right? It's a blessing. Three times in this, these two parables, Jesus refers to servants who are faithful as blessed. Not burdened. Blessed. Why are they blessed? Because they are serving the Lord faithfully, not out of bondage, but out of love. Why are we to serve the Lord? Because we have to? No, we serve the Lord because we get to. Who wouldn't want to serve a master like ours? Who wouldn't want to serve a master who has the prince of the nails in his hand, the spikes in his feet, suffered and died for us? Who wouldn't want to serve a master like that? Jesus says, we're blessed to serve faithfully. Verse 37, notice he says, Blessed are those servants who the master finds awake when he comes. Look at verse 38. When are they serving him? Just in the daylight? No. If he comes in the second watch. When's the second watch? 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. Or if he comes in the third watch. When's the third watch? From 2 a.m. to sunrise. He said if they are faithfully serving... Blessed are those servants. You see what's going on here? When are servants least likely to be faithfully serving? At night. When the master's asleep, he doesn't see. But you see, these servants that Jesus tells us to be, they're not motivated by their master's eyes. They're motivated by their master's heart. Something has gripped them more than fear that the Lord might see them. They are gripped by the fact that the Lord loves them. And they've never lost the wonder of it all. And that's the motivation. Their Lord's heart. And again, when you serve out of the Lord's love for you, that's not a life of bondage. That's a life of blessing. Listen to Jesus, verse 43. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. 
The blessed life, the best life, is to be faithfully serving the Lord. And it will definitely be the best life to be faithfully serving the Lord when He comes. To be found by Him being faithful. Now there's a hint here, as Jesus says of this blessing, there's a hint here, the third motivation I want you to see. The third master motivation, first of all, be watchful for the master's return. Secondly, be faithful in the master's responsibility. But now, be blessed, be joyful in the master's reward. Be joyful in the master's reward. Jesus is coming and he's bringing his reward with him. One of the last things Jesus says recorded in the Bible is in the book of the Revelation, chapter 22. And here's what Jesus says. Jesus says, Behold, I am coming quickly, and I am bringing my reward with me. I'm bringing my reward with me. Now, what is the reward of serving Jesus? What is the reward of serving Jesus? Pins, I want to tell you something. As Jesus describes the reward of being a faithful servant, it's staggering. It's staggering. Listen to how Jesus describes the reward for those who faithfully serve him. Verse 37. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, he, the master, will dress himself for service and have them, the servants, recline at table and he, the master, will come and serve them, the servants. My friend, you got to understand to people hearing this from the lips of Jesus and understanding the, what they considered the master-servant relationship in most of the gorgeous villas of Israel, this was incomprehensible. That a master would come home, find his servants doing what they're supposed to be doing, and he would be so filled with joy, he would tell them to lie down for the evening meal taking the places of honor, and he would go and gird himself, put the towel around himself, and he, the master, would serve them. How many of you know this just doesn't happen? Unless you have a master like Jesus. What master would do this? A master like ours. My friend, listen carefully. Our master did this. The last night before he died on the cross, at the dinner table, Jesus, the Lord of glory, creator of heaven and earth, got up, went over, wrapped a towel around his waist, picked up a basin, poured water into it, and went around the table, washing his disciples' feet. That's the kind of master we have. 
Our master did this. He didn't just talk about it. He did it. And friends, listen carefully. Our master does this right now. Doesn't our Lord serve us every day? How kind and good he is. How abundantly he blesses us. And he fills our life with good things and with joy and hope for things to come. He grants us life. He grants us a day like this, the treasure of a day like this, this beautiful day. He grants us a family to be with and he's in the midst with us. We never walk alone. He's with us always. Friends, we have a master like that. He does this right now. He serves us. And our master will one day do this. One day, while we are seated at the great supper in heaven, the King of kings and Lord of lords will serve us that day. My, what a master we have. Now, Peter, as always, has something to say. Sometimes he just opens his mouth to change feet. But he always has something to say. Peter asks a question, verse 41. Peter said, Lord, are you telling this, us this parable are you telling this parable for us, just us, the, the inner circle here, or is this for everyone? And the Lord's answer basically is, yes. <laughs> I'm telling this for you, and I'm telling everyone. You know, friends, I will tell you, that's a good way to go to church. <laughs> to say, this is for me. And this is for everyone. <laughs> Not, I hope some people get what the pastor's saying this morning. And let me tell you, it needs to start with the pastor who needs to get what he's saying this morning. I just share the love with you, okay? Lord wears me out all week long. <laughs> now, notice the amazing parable about reward. It's just amazing. Verses 42 down through 44. Just amazing parable. A promise of reward. And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time? Blessed is the servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he, the master, will set him, the servant, over all his possessions. Again, this is an unbelievable privilege. Not just that the master serves the servants, but here we're told that for faithful people serving the Lord, when he comes, he is going to share his realm with them. Not just let them get into his kingdom, but to be involved in ministry and operation and service in his kingdom. He shares his possessions. Now, friend, listen. If we faithfully serve the Lord, I want you to know something. You're in on that right now. Guess what? Everything is the Lord's, right? 
And all of the work of the kingdom is the Lord's work. He is working by His Spirit. He's always at work. And you know what He lets us do? He lets us come and join Him in His work. We are laborers together with God. We're not just bystanders. The Lord didn't just come to give us life and say, Now you all wait here and then you can experience sharing in the kingdom when you get to heaven. No, when you become a Christian, you're no longer a spectator of God's great work. You are a participant. You're invited. You're needed. And the Lord says, I'll share the work with you. Just think about that. That while you live for the Lord, you're working and serving and sharing in the part of his kingdom. And we will experience this one day forever. You know, the Bible tells us very little about what is to come. It's just enough to amaze us when we think about the kingdom that is to come. But I want to tell you, the Bible says his servants will serve him there. If you think you're just going to be floating around on a cloud with a halo over your head, plucking on a harp, talking to Elvis now and then, you know, maybe, but that's not heaven. And, and heaven's not just having a little cabin in the corner of glory land. No, he says his servants will serve him in the new heaven and the new earth, but it'll be service of joy and no labor and no fatigue. And all the time in the world, with endless variety, unbelievable joy, continual aha moments of what God is doing and how you're serving. You say, Sam, what are you talking about? I can't tell you. I don't know what I'm talking about, okay? <laughs> but it's going to be amazing. Amazing. There's joy in serving Jesus. Amen. You know what I'm talking about. I hope you do. There's joy now and there'll be joy then. But we must also never forget that there's also coming a judgment about serving the Lord. And that's the fourth master motivation. I close with this. Jesus says, be mindful of the master's retribution. Be mindful of the master's retribution. He gives a warning and he says, now be wise. Here's warning and wisdom. First, there's the warning about the master's judgment on faithless servants. Faithless servants. Verse 45. But if that servant says to himself, my master is delayed in coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and get drunk. The master of that servant will come on a day when he is not expected and at that hour that he does not know and he will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. Now, Jesus is speaking here in hyperbole. He's speaking for effect. What he is saying is, 
that if someone does not really love the master, they just fake it. They don't love the master, and the reason you know, you know they don't love the master is because they don't love their fellow servants. They mistreat other people. And they try to take advantage of the time that God has given them. And their whole life is self-focused. They live for self, really. And it shows that they don't love God and they don't love their fellow man. They don't fulfill the commandments of God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. They're not interested in that because they are loving self more than the Savior and more than others. And Jesus says, the master will return and those will be dealt with in judgment. Cut off from the eternal joy of the kingdom. In a place, he goes on to say, later of utter darkness, weeping, wailing, gnashing of teeth. The Bible calls it hell. He warns, this is Jesus, he warns, do not be a faithless servant. Don't deceive yourself. Make sure that you really are exhibiting that you love the Lord and you show that by loving others. And then he gives some wisdom. He says, that's the warning. Now here's the wisdom. What's going to be the basis of judgment? Have you ever wondered what's going to be the basis of people's judgment? Well, Jesus tells us right here in this parable. Here's the basis. He says in verse 47, The servant who knew his master's will, but did not get ready or act according to his will, will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know and deserved what deserved and did what deserved a beating will receive a like beating. Everyone to whom much was given of him much will be required and from whom to him they entrusted much they will demand the more. What's going to be the basis of judgment? Two things. Knowledge and opportunity. Knowledge and opportunity. The one who has more knowledge of his master's will will have a greater accountability. And the one who has been given opportunity will have greater accountability. That's going to be the basis of judgment. How much did a person know? And what opportunities did they have? And what did they do with that? Friends, I want you to know, we live in a generation, listen carefully, that has never had more knowledge and more opportunity. We have a much higher standard upon us because we have such knowledge available to us. Literally at our fingertips. We have such knowledge. Many of you here have many copies of this book 
And most of the people in the world don't have a copy. They don't even have a piece of a copy. And we have opportunity. You have life. You have neighbors. You have family. You have friends. You have people all around you. Opportunity. Opportunity to serve and share the love of Christ. Now, from these two parables, here's just the two takeaways. Here's two takeaways. How are we to live? What's it mean to be master motivated? Live expecting the king. Live expecting the king. This may be the day. Glad day, glad day, right? Crowning day. Live expecting the king and then this. As you're expecting the king, live expanding the kingdom. Expanding the kingdom by your words, by your deeds, by your prayers, by your giving and your kindness, your generosity. Expand the kingdom. You see, the kingdom is here now. The kingdom's not just coming with the king. The kingdom is here now in us. And we have the privilege of expanding the kingdom as we take the work of the king into our neighborhoods, into our schools, into all the places we go looking for opportunities to speak for him and to do good for him. We're expanding the kingdom. You know, when I was a little boy growing up in Indiana, in the summer evenings, we loved to play a little game called hide and seek. All the neighborhood kids would get together, and home base was a telephone pole not far from my house. And somebody would have to be it. Didn't you hate to be it? Okay. It. And whoever was it would hide their eyes up against that telephone pole and count to a hundred as fast as he or she could. And while they're counting, Everybody goes and hides. You, you know this game. And right before, and after, right at the moment, they said 100, then here's what he or she would say. What? Ready or not, here I come. You're with me, aren't you? <laughs> Hear the Lord's announcement. Ready or not, I'm coming. Ready or not, I'm coming. My friend, listen carefully. Believe it or not, he's coming. The question is, are you ready? Because he's coming. But let me tell you something. The Lord doesn't play hide and seek. Listen carefully. Our Lord's not hiding, but our Lord is seeking. He came to seek and to save the lost. He came to seek the one who feels far astray. He came to seek the one who feels like they have no hope. He came to seek the one who feels like they've sinned too much. He came to seek that one sheep who used to be with the other 99 but's gone astray. That's our master. He's not hiding. He wants you to know him. He's seeking. He's seeking. 
hear his voice today. Come to him. Let's bow our heads. Our heads are bowed. Oh, dear friend, right now, before we sing, I ask you, are you looking for the king? Are you living with expectancy? Ask the Lord that he will this morning renew your expectant hope that he is coming. And that living with expectancy, you will live to expand the kingdom. Ask the Lord right now, help me Lord to expand your kingdom in word, in deed, in prayer, in service. Lord, help me to be faithful when you come. And then maybe you're here far off and you think the Lord is not seeking you. He's seeking those who are lost. Friend, He's seeking you. You that have gone astray, He's seeking you. And He desires that you might know Him, know His love, and know the blessing of serving Him. Oh, friend, I pray that you truly will turn to the one who's calling your name right now. Now, dear friend, listen carefully. He's coming. Ready or not, He's coming. Let's be ready. Oh, Lord, bless the word and the worship to your people's hearts today. Use it. Send out your light and your truth to draw people to Christ. Draw us, Lord, close to you with hearts that look for you. And we long for your return. And we show that as we love you and love others. We serve you by serving others. Help us, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, God's people said, Amen.